Coming up on this episode of the Ramel Anakin Show, I'm going to talk to you about how a baseball cap, a Pearl Harbor survivor, a keynote, and a simple question open the door to an authentically real and raw moment of clarity that helped me even more understand how I connect with people and I trust it's going to help you on your journey too to revolutionize all of your relationships at home, at work, at play, everywhere you go. I'm Ramel Anakin, and welcome to the Ramel Anakin Show. Maestro, let's get it started. Yes, hello, and welcome to the Ramel Anakin Show, the fastest growing show on relationships on the internet today. All right, so it's probably not the fastest growing show on relationships on the internet, but you know what? I'm just going to keep saying it until it is. This is my show. I'm glad you're here. Hey, so just a few days ago, I was tidying up my hat collection in our bedroom. And if you know me, you know that I love caps and hats. Like I do. It is my go-to thing to collect, to grab, to, you know, it's, uh, it, I just love them. Just Bottom line, I love them. And so uh, in, in my closet, right, I've got a, a shelf above where my coats are. I love coats and jackets too. That's a whole nother episode. But I came across this baseball cap that I've had for over 20 years. And even though I no longer wear this baseball cap with any kind of regularity, I have never had the heart to throw it out or to donate it. And for those of you who are listening to this, I'm wearing a blue baseball cap with gold lettering on it with the outline of a ship on it. And it says USS Utah on the cap. And I've not had the heart to throw it out or donate it for two reasons. Because of what this hat represents externally, and I'll get to more of that in a bit, and because of what this hat reminds me of, internally. So I originally purchased this navy blue ball cap in 2001 at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. At that time, I was living on the island of Oahu, and I loved visiting Pearl Harbor whenever I could. Uh, and then this time uh, in 2001, I was visiting over what I believe to be Memorial Day weekend. And, and ever since I was a kid, I've always had a fascination with Pearl Harbor, uh, primarily because of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor that catapulted the United States into World War II on December 7, 1941. And I remember my parents taking me to see the USS Arizona Memorial when I was in first grade, I believe. And, and to this day, I can still remember that day. Like I can remember watching a movie right in the visitor center. And as soon as the movie started, like I can still hear the music of the movie and the, the narrator's voice and, and the story that the, the movie told about the USS Arizona and the Pearl Harbor attack and the, the days leading up to it and the aftermath of it and, and just everything, right? Even in first grade, I can, I can still remember this movie vividly. I can remember the ride out to the memorial, right? Taking that shuttle out to the memorial. 
And I remember getting to the memorial. If you've if you've never been to the USS Arizona Memorial, the the USS Arizona was a battleship that was sunk during the Pearl Harbor attack. And there is this beautiful glistening white memorial that spans the Hulk of USS Arizona. So when you visit the memorial, you are literally right on top of the sunken Hulk of the Arizona. And Pearl Harbor is a shallow harbor. I think it's about 40 feet in depth. And so you uh, you can definitely see the ship. You can see details. You can, um, you know, it's right there. You it's definitely right there. And so I remember as a kid, riding that boat to the memorial, seeing that white bridge over the the waters of Pearl Harbor and seeing Ford Island behind it and and feeling the rocking of the shuttle boat as it's going to the memorial. And, and then I remember arriving on the memorial and seeing the USS Arizona laying below us and, you know, seeing this juxtaposition of the rusted metal fish swimming in and out, the waters moving uh, you know, over it, hearing the flag flying above the memorial, and even seeing traces of of oil from the ship still seeping its way through and coming to the surface. And even at that young age, I remember understanding that the ship that I was standing over was the final resting place for over a thousand men. Okay, so it had always been a very special place in my heart. And so um, on this day in 2001, for Memorial Day weekend, I decided to visit Pearl Harbor. And so visiting Pearl Harbor, as I mentioned, has always been very special to me, but visiting during Memorial Day seemed extra poignant. And then this year was also the 60th anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack. And, and so again, even more special uh, to visit again during that period of time. And so while I was there, I did everything, you know, go to the visitor center, the boat out to the memorial and see the exhibits and, and all of that. And I also made sure to visit the gift shop. So if you know me, you know that I love gift shops. I love souvenirs. I love merch. If we go on a trip or a vacation or somewhere, the first place I will try to identify it, you know, where it is, is the gift shop. It's the, the merch shop. Even if it's like a dinky place, I just always check out the gift shop. Okay, so uh, I love it. So I definitely made sure to check out the, the gift shop. And while I was there, I decided to pick up this hat representing the ship USS Utah. Now, you're going to get a brief history lesson here. So hang in here if you're not a history buff. But with the Pearl Harbor attack, Everyone is familiar with the USS Arizona, right? Where the memorial is built. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people a year visit the memorial. Uh, that is the battleship and now the memorial that has long been identified with the attack in America's entry into World War II. And if you visit Pearl Harbor today, you will not only see the USS Arizona Memorial, you also will see the USS Missouri, right? Which is the battleship. Uh, which is where the, the surrender documents were signed by the Japanese, which ended America's entry into World War II. It's where, where World War II officially ended, I should say. And so it's this beautiful juxtaposition of where the war started, right? Pearl Harbor, the USS Arizona, and where the war ended with the USS Missouri. So whenever you visit Pearl Harbor, more than likely you will visit the USS Arizona. Uh, you you know will have the ability to visit the USS Missouri, 
However, on the opposite side of Ford Island, across from the Arizona and the Missouri, lies the wreck of the ship USS Utah. And Utah is a ship that many people have forgotten about or never even knew was there. But Utah, too, was sunk during the grave, and it, too, still serves as a grave, just as the USS Arizona does. And so because Utah has been kind of the forgotten ship of the Pearl Harbor attack and not very many people know about it, very few people get to visit it or to see it, I've always had a soft spot for Utah. So on that day, I decided to get this hat for the USS Utah. And as soon as I bought it, I wore it proudly uh, while I was walking around Pearl Harbor that day. Now, here's where the story starts to really develop. During that visit, there were several Pearl Harbor survivors at the visitor center that day. What was even interesting is there were also several other, um, if I remember correctly, some uh, members of the Japanese attacking force. I think some Japanese pilots that were there too. So there was this beautiful kind of imagery of these, you know, these two groupings of people who were at war with each other 60 years before this day. And they were, they were talking to each other, spending time with each other. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, now on that visit, I remember seeing a Pearl Harbor survivor and he was talking and some people were gathered around him. And so I, I went around him too, because I wanted to listen to what he had to say. And his name was Lee Susie, I believe is how uh, his name is pronounced. And he served on USS Utah during the attack on Pearl Harbor. And so he was sharing his stories of the attack. And as he was sharing his stories with the crowd that had gathered around him, he saw me, he saw this ball cap. And, you know, he's, he told me that, oh, hey, that was my ship. And, and then he mentioned that he really liked the ball cap. He then asked me where I got it from. And I, you know, I told him, well, I got it over at the gift shop over there. And, and um, he asked a couple more questions about it. And I told him how we could find the gift shop and, and all of that. And then as he shared more of his story, something in me kept, kept screaming to me like, Ramel, give him the cap. Give him the cap. He's a Pearl Harbor survivor, right? Give him the cap or at least offer it to him. Just, you know, do something. So as he's, as he was talking, I don't even know if I, I could fully hear what he was saying because in my internal mechanism, I just kept hearing, give him the cap, give him the cap, Ramel, give him the cap, right? So I, I kept hearing that. But as you can tell, because this cap is still on my head, I didn't give him the cap. And I've never forgotten that I didn't give him the cap, nor that the entire time he was speaking, I kept thinking I should have. I kept thinking I should have offered it to him. And I've always felt bad that I didn't. Now, many years ago, I used to share this story uh, in my people skills and communication talks. And and the way that I framed the story uh, was that I think I didn't give him the ball cap because I was being cheap, okay? And I didn't want to spend the $11 to buy a new hat. So I used to set up the story going, well, you know, I went to the gift shop and it was $11. And so even though I was feeling like I should give him the hat, there was a part of me that was just being super frugal and super, super cheap. And, and I didn't want to spend another $11. And so I didn't. 
Now, whenever I shared that story, and especially the line about being cheap, it would often get a laugh. You know, I would then use that as a that story as a segue into um, reminding everyone that we have the opportunity every day to positively touch the lives of people. And I regret that on that day in 2001 at Pearl Harbor, I didn't take the opportunity to positively impact the day of a Pearl Harbor survivor by just doing a very simple gesture of saying, hey, I thank you for serving. You know, I just bought this hat. It's brand new. Can I give it to you? You know, and, and I would share that. And, and then I would encourage everyone to go and make a positive difference in the world, one person at a time. And it was a really great way to wrap up my talk. It, it really was. You could see people were moved by the story. They could, um, they appreciated the self-deprecatingness of the humor and of me poking fun at myself. And they knew the sentiment behind it. So again, a great way to wrap up a talk on people skills and communication. But now that I think about it again, I do not believe that the main reason why I resisted offering my ball cap to this veteran was only because I was being cheap. Now, I'm not going to lie. I am frugal. And so I have no doubt that that played a little part in the equation. But I think the reason I didn't give my cap, even when everything in me was screaming to, goes deeper than me just trying to save a couple of bucks. And I'm going to dive into more of that story right after the coffee break. If you've tuned into any episodes, you know that I love coffee. So as a part of almost every episode of the Romel Anakin Show, we're going to do a coffee break together. So if you've got your favorite beverage, I would love to know, what are you having right now, right? Is it a coffee? Is it a tea? Is it something else? Let me know. Drop it in the comments. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or shoot me a DM, let me know what your favorite beverage is right now as we take the coffee break together. Now, sometimes when we do the coffee break, it's going to be a coffee that I'm trying for the first time and sharing my real-time thoughts and ideas and opinions or just an old favorite that I'm sharing with you. Today's coffee? Coffee? What was that? <laughs> Today's coffee. Told you I needed coffee. Today's coffee is an old favorite. And what's interesting, it's actually a mixture of Starbucks's Pike, Roast, and Veranda. Let me explain. But first of all, what do you think about this mug, right? This is one of my favorite mugs. It's a La Creuset mug, uh, which is feels super bougie and luxurious. And what I love about it, number one, it's a phenomenal mug. It, the weight of it is really good. It feels good. And we found it at TJ Maxx. Okay, so not only do we get the super bougie, pricey mug, we didn't pay a whole lot of money for it, which does fit into my frugalness, which I was talking about earlier. So I do love that, but it is a fantastic mug. So today's coffee is a mixture of Starbucks, Pike, and Veranda. So at uh, as many of you know, I am one of the assistant pastors at my local church. And even though I have the opportunity to preach messages every once in a while, every once in a while I'll do worship, you know, I'll do pastoral coaching and, and pastoral counseling and, and, you know, guide folks and, you know, all that stuff. I, I think, I think my most important mission as a pastor 
is to bring the coffee for our Sunday morning service. So every morning before our Sunday service, they stop by our local Starbucks, pick up some coffee for our congregation. And then whatever's left of that, I just bring home and have it for a couple of days or so after church. And so here's a mix of Starbucks Pike and Veranda. Veranda's their blonde roast. And I kind of like it because it it mellows the pike because if if you know anything about Starbucks, um, their pike I, I like it, but it can be it can definitely be bitter, um, and I like the blonde roast, but sometimes the blonde roast does not have enough oomph. So the mixture of the two sometimes works just perfectly for me. So there you go. Cheers to you, my friends. Hope you hopefully you are enjoying this episode so far and this coffee break. All right, friends, so now that I have my coffee, I want to go even deeper into the saga of this ball cap and what it meant for me and what it could mean for you too. And then I want to close with some practical ideas that have helped me and I think can really help you today have the kind of relationships that make life better. So about a year ago, I was kind of doing the same thing in my closet, actually, and I saw this cap in my closet. And as I saw the cap and I remembered immediately, right, as I see the this navy blue cap sitting in my dark closet and the the gold lettering that say USS Utah on it, boom, right? It caught my attention that day. And I immediately had a realization and I went down this rabbit trail with it, quite frankly. And it was in that moment uh, that I realized that I didn't not give it because I was just being cheap because I didn't want to spend another $11. Like that wasn't the real reason. That might've been the reason I told myself then and might've been the reason that I told myself over the years. And, but the more I dove into it and the more I thought about it and, and certainly that moment, it became clear. I didn't give it because I was being cheap. I didn't give it because I was scared to. I, I, I realized that the reason I didn't give Lee the cap even though every part of me was saying, give it to him, was I felt embarrassed to give it to him. And, and maybe I think I was just worried about looking like, like a fool. You know, there were, there were people gathered around. And so it just felt awkward and weird to just go, Hey, can, can I offer you this cap? I can still remember the feeling. And it was out of fear. And, you know, it was fear, it was hesitation, it was resistance. And so out of that fear of looking like a fool or out of that fear of busting through my comfort zone and kind of taking the awkward step of saying, excuse me, sir, would, can I give you this ball cap? I froze. I just froze, right? And I did nothing. And, and then what had started to come into my memory was I remembered a lot of times in my youth when, um, as a, as a kid, I would ride the city bus in Honolulu and it, you know, Honolulu is a big city. It's almost, almost a million people live in Honolulu. And I remember there were so many times when I'd be riding the bus and I would see an elderly person or a handicapped person board the bus. And, and there were so many times when my internal mechanism said, Hey, Ramel, give up your seat, like stand up and give up your seat. And, and I will say there were, there were many occasions when I did many occasions when I offered up my seat, but there were a lot of occasions when I didn't, there were a lot of occasions that I'd hear in my internals, Ramel, stand up, 
offer your seat to the lady. Hey, let her sit down. Okay. And I didn't, and I will tell you, it's not because I didn't want to stand or because I was being selfish or because I didn't want to be inconvenienced by having to stand up and my legs were sore or something like that. It was because I was scared to. It's because I was embarrassed to. It's because it felt awkward and weird. And I can still remember as a kid looking around the bus and seeing, hey, is anyone else offering their seats? Well, no one else is offering their seats. Am I, am I going to be the only Yahoo that's offering his seat? That seems weird. That feels weird. That feels awkward. That feels, I'm not going to do it. It feels scary. So I avoided it. So I avoided doing it on a lot of occasions. And what's interesting is this. So today in, in my communication programs and keynotes relating. I have something called the relational styles framework, which is a, a very powerful way to bring some simplicity and clarity to our personalities and what we do. And so one of the relational styles is what I call the observer avoider combination. And that's the one that I most readily identify with. And boom, it was like all of the clarity started coming back even more, even though I've been teaching this stuff for a long time. I realized, you know, as a young kid on the bus, not giving my seat up, I was avoiding. You know, when it was time to have a hard conversation with someone, I'd avoid it. When it was time to enforce a boundary, I'd avoid it, right? I realized again that I've been avoiding for so much of my life. Like I keep my distance from people. I don't always do the things I want to do, even when I know it's good and kind and loving because of fear. And so that looked like a nine-year-old kid seeing an elderly lady coming onto the bus and that nine-year-old kid desperately wanting to give up his seat and his internal mechanism, brain, feelings, emotions, all the things were at war with each other. And the battle between, I really want to do this, but I'm really feeling a lot of fear would play out. And that looked like, uh, how old would I have been in that maybe 26 year old young man at Pearl Harbor in the presence of someone that I had, would have admired, you know, as a, as a Pearl Harbor survivor, um, look up to would have, I say idolized, but in a, in a good way, these guys are my heroes. Okay. Like my heroes growing up. And here I was, one of my heroes was in front of me and I had an opportunity to just offer to do something nice. And I froze and I froze, not because I didn't want to, not because I wasn't a good guy, not because my intentions weren't there, but because I was scared because of the way that I relate to people, because of all of this stuff. Now for you, I realize that the story may be different, right? It might look different. It might sound different, but I bet right now, as you're listening to this, or if you're watching this, something's coming up for you. Maybe as I've been sharing, you realize that you are always the one who takes charge, right? So why do you always take charge? Or why do you never take charge? Or maybe you realize something came up to you and you realize you're the one that you always feel the need to pay for someone else's meal or someone else's coffee. Like something in you feels like it is your obligation and your duty to pay for someone else's meal. And some of you, you never do that even though you want to, right? So why do you never, why do you always pay for someone else's coffee? Why do you never pay for someone else's coffee? Right? When you start to think of those things, why are you always the funny one? Why are you never the funny one? Hey, why do you always share in that meeting? Why do you never share? Um, 
you know, why is it when your wife wants you to pray with her and every part of you says, well, I'm going to, today's the day, this is the day we're going to do it. And you lose heart and you don't do it. And you walk away without doing that, right? It, it, it's all of those questions. It's all of those questions. And one of the things you want to do is you want to ask yourself, what are the stories you're telling yourself about those things? Like, you know, what are you telling yourself about why you never lead prayer? Why are you telling, what is the story you're telling yourself about why you've never gotten the job promotion you've wanted? What's the story that you're telling yourself about why you're always forgotten or why you always help or why you never help or why you always tell everyone else what to do or why you never tell anyone else what to do? You know what I'm saying? What are the stories you're telling yourself about how you connect and how you communicate and how you engage with people? Then here's where it gets even more powerful. When you identify those stories, go deeper, go deeper. Why do you connect the way that you do? What are the stories you're telling yourself? And what are the stories underneath that are really the ones fueling it? All right. So I just want to share with you four steps. And the first step is really just to be aware. I'm going to encourage you friends just to be aware, like to literally pause and just ask yourself, why do I do the things that I do? Like pick one trait or one thing, or maybe there's one memory, one conversation that went poorly, one relationship that didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. Okay. Or that one relationship that is incredible. Like what's the reason, right? What's the story? What's going on? You want to be aware. And then the next A, the next word is acknowledge. You want to understand, you want to acknowledge your role in the story. And it's just literally going, yeah, I tend to avoid. I tend to take charge, even when it's not my job to take charge. I tend to try to fix people, even though I don't need to fix people. I tend to be really frugal and not very generous. You know, whatever those stories are, you want to acknowledge that. You want to acknowledge both the positive, the good, the things you can acknowledge yourself for, of course, and then also the things that are challenges, the things that are causing issues in your relationships. And then when you are aware of what's going on, when you acknowledge it, there might be some things you need to accept. And it's just the things that you can't change anymore. So for me, I need to accept that the past is gone, is past. There's nothing I can do from that situation 22, 23 years ago when I wish I chose a different path. And so it doesn't do me any good to replay that story in my mind and just beat myself up for the decision I didn't make or that I did make 20 plus years ago. I just need to accept that in that situation, I fell short and I didn't handle it the way that I wish I would have. And then what I can accept though is, although I can't change the past, I can change my present. I can choose a different course of action today in my relationships with my wife, with my kid, with my dog, right? With my clients, right? And you can do the same thing too. There might be things you cannot change, but if you're able to accept the things you can't change and then commit to accepting that you there are things that you can change today and focusing on those things. And then the last word I want to share with you is action and then take action on those things. Take action on the things that you can change today. So I know for me, I can't go back and give this hat to Lee Susie, but I can share the story with you in the hope that maybe there's someone in your life that you can positively impact and powerfully impact. And as I share that story with you, I hope that it impacts you. And it's also a good reminder for me to practice what I preach as well. 
Right. We can't change the things that have passed, but we can definitely change our present so that we can experience a brighter, more connected, more incredible future with the people that we love. And so I'm curious for you, friends, what came up for you right during this episode? What did you find most valuable from our time together? Was it the story about the hat? Was it, you know, maybe something else that resonated with you? Or maybe it was the four A's that I shared you about being aware, acknowledging, accepting, and then taking the right kind of action. And before we wrap up today, I want to share with you just a couple of things. Number one, if you know a veteran in your life, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. Thank them for their service. And number two, ask them questions and listen to their stories. The thank yous are great. I think they might even appreciate you asking them more about their stories and about their service. If you know a World War II vet, then for sure you want to listen to them. There are not many World War II vets among us today. And so if you have the honor and the privilege of knowing a World War II vet, connect with them. Listen to their stories. Listen to their stories. And if you are a veteran uh, watching today or if you are serving in our armed services, thank you for your service and we appreciate you keeping us safe and sound here in our beautiful nation and lastly i want to share this one quote that i've heard um that i heard from author john eldridge and he's the author of the book wild at heart and he said this comment and it it resonates with me and i shared this comment or this quote in in all of my people skills and communication programs whenever i do it and I think it'll uh, be very valuable to you too. And he says this, the greatest impact you will make in your life is through the quality of relationship that you offer to other people. My hope for you, friends, is that you choose every single day to offer incredibly loving, awesome, wonderful, connected relationships to the people in your life. And I pray that you have those same kind of relationships, those same kind of people who want to invest in you and love on you and connect with you as well. And as always, before we wrap up, I would love to say a blessing over you and whatever your faith, I hope you receive this as a blessing today. My friends, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. This is the Romel Anakin Show, and we'll see you next time. If this episode has resonated with you, would you please like and subscribe, comment, and even share it with a friend. And thank you as always for supporting the show. 